from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Sitting in for Tony is Joseph Backholm, who serves as Family Research Council's Senior Fellow for Biblical Worldview and Strategic Engagement. Welcome to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony Perkins today. And as we wrap up the 2020 year, we're going to sit down with some of the key staff members at FRC and FRC Action to look back over the past year and share some of the amazing things that God has done and also look ahead to some of the developments on the horizon as we enter 2021. And to start us off, I have with me retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who serves as Family Research Council's Executive Vice President. The general was one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He was privileged to ultimately command these elite warriors in combat operations. And later, the general commanded all the Army's Green Berets, as well as a special warfare center and school. In all, General spent 36 years in the Army, serving his last four years as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. And in addition, he is an ordained minister with a passion for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and encouraging Christians to become warriors in God's kingdom. General, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, Joseph, thank you very much. Good to be with you. Well, we are thrilled to have you with us for all sorts of reasons, and thank you for your service and, and all that that has meant to our country and uh, and for being part of the battle in, in what we are doing now. But tell us, tell the listeners here, uh, when you joined the staff of FRC, what is it that you do here for FRC? Why are you part of this team? Yeah, I'm not sure why they hired me to begin with, uh, so I'm... I'm not sure what I actually accomplished, but I can tell you that I have a, I have a real sense of accomplishment just being there. But uh, I'm. Well, we are glad you are around. Yeah, and uh, look, I obviously as executive vice president, I whatever Tony doesn't want to do, uh, I I do, and I'm I'm delighted to be able to do that because what we do is such an important job, but. but I have some specifics. I am in charge of uh, our Bold Advance program, which is uh, is all about the elections and it's about the political action and that type of thing. Plus, I run the coalitions, and we, we do have coalitions there with uh, other conservative groups uh, throughout the nation. And uh, and I am uh, actually responsible for the FRC Action, our C4. We have a director for that, but he reports to me, and I spend a lot of my time really working on uh, on FRC action issues because, again, we have become uh, very politically active, more so than when I first got there nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and just for the benefit of our audience, and we'll get into some of the details of this, uh, there are two separate legal entities, FRC and FRC Action. And the reason those titles matter and the different entities matter is for tax purposes, really, because there are some things that you cannot do uh, politically as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And FRC is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So if you want to get engaged in certain political activity, you have to become 
a C4 organization and in a, a separate legal entity and keep those books separate and you fund them separately because money that goes to a 501C4 is not tax deductible. So that um, might be more detailed than our audience wanted, but that's why you hear this word in a lot of kind of uh, action organizations you hear, and activist organizations you hear about FRC or FRC action or those equivalents, and that's the reason why that exists. Now, General... Tell us, you had a, a long and distinguished military career before you came to FRC. Why did you feel like FRC was the place for you once you left your your military service? Yeah, well, actually, when I left military service, I uh, went into teaching, and I was teaching at a college, and Tony uh, approached me about uh, coming to uh, FRC, and I I demurred. I declined uh, three times, and uh, because I didn't want to come back to Washington. But ultimately, uh, through prayer and and uh, his persistence, uh, you know, he's an old Marine and he doesn't know how to take no for an answer. Uh, right. Eventually, we knew my wife and I that this was where God wanted us to be, and and we knew that it was a way that we could continue to serve the country. Uh, not in uniform, not in government service, but certainly mm-hmm. serve the country because FRC is uh, very much about uh, serving this nation and doing all that we can do to really make a difference, particularly uh, as a Christian organization. And we've we've you know been very clear about the fact that we are not only a 501c3 uh, tax, tax exempt. Uh, organization, but we are a Christian organization, and and now we're actually a uh, we're actually a, a, a group of churches. Uh, we have uh, our tax status is such that uh, that we as FRC are now uh, a coalition of churches. You've been at FRC for nine years. Yeah. What have you observed? In those nine years, what are your reflections coming out of, you know, military and then academia and then coming to an overtly political environment? Not that the military is not a political environment in some ways, but what have your observations been as the, as the guy who spent most of your life not engaged in kind of grassroots political action? What have you learned? What have you what have you observed? Well, I, I tell you what has occurred in the nine years that I've been part of FRC and uh, I, I, what I've seen happen in FRC is, uh, is about three significant changes. Number one, the research that we do is relevant to the day-to-day things that Americans are dealing with. And uh, people like you and David Kloss and others are, are are really working through and doing research papers on uh, for publication uh, for our audience uh, on on the issues that people are dealing with that really matter in their lives and that help them to be informed in terms of what's happening in the nation. So our research, I think, has been has become far more focused and uh, and and I think far more valuable today than it was nine years ago when I came out. It was very general in nature. The second thing is that uh, we have uh, we have changed uh, our, our efforts now to 50% of our effort is about religious liberty. And we, as you know, Joseph, because you, you, you're part of this, uh, we really are uh, going hard in the direction of uh, 
trying to protect uh, uh, persecuted uh, Christians, uh, trying to uh, preserve religious liberty to include other other uh, religions besides just Christianity. That Christianity is our focus, but we are spending over 50% of our time on religious liberty. And whenever there is a religious liberty issue that comes up, we are right there. We're right there. If someone has is being persecuted or prosecuted, for that matter, uh, we're right there with them, and we step into the breach to be uh, an ally for these uh, these people, these churches, these organizations, these institutions that are being uh, persecuted as a result of their faith, and uh, and that is a big change. And then the third thing is we have become more politically active than we were previously. And again, as you pointed out so accurately, because we are a 501c4, which is a political action entity, we have uh, we have extended ourselves, I think, way beyond what uh, what influence we previously had in the political arena. And we are now, I, as a matter of fact, we have people right now down in Georgia. Uh, trying to uh, rally people down there to include pastors and and uh, parishioners down there to uh, to get out and uh, and vote in this fifth uh, of January election down there that will determine the the future of the Senate and in many ways probably the future of the country. I think that's a great point, and I do want to highlight the important point that I think you just made about the renewed emphasis and prioritization of religious freedom, because when I started in this policy work, you know, 15 years-ish ago, a little more than that now, a lot of it was simply on the, the nuts and bolts of, of what should family structure be, what should we embrace, what should we not embrace, we have we rapidly moved into a in a climate where the discussion was not um, between the disagreements, but whether there should be disagreement and whether people who held one position on these issues uh, should be punished for that. And so the the priority on religious freedom, I think, is appropriate because it doesn't matter if you're in finance. If you're in the military, if you are a small business owner running bakeries or florists or whatever they are, um, or you're in academia Everywhere you are, the, the, the conflict is between those who do not want people to be free to express different ideas and to live according to a different set of ideas, and those who think, no, we should still, in a pluralistic society, have that freedom. And, and I'm just thrilled that, that FRC has stepped into that gap because it's important. And I think uh, those of us who are observers of what's going on culturally recognize that is the frontier. Now, it's not as bad here. Uh, on religious freedom matters as it is in other places around the country, thank God, yet. But it doesn't mean it can't get there, which is why our vigilance is yeah. so, so important. Now, yeah, you, you I, had I mentioned agree. earlier a couple of coalitions that you lead under the FRC banner. Tell us a little bit more about those coalitions and, and what you're doing specifically. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we we have a, a number of coalitions, uh, one of which I probably won't talk about here, but but we have a coalition uh, that is in line with this focus on religious liberty, and it's Restore Military Religious Freedom is what it's called. 
And uh, during the Obama administration, in his eight years, there was such an attack on uh, religious liberty in the military that uh, Tony Perkins said, uh, I want a uh, coalition that will fight back against uh, this, this persecution of our young men and women that served the nation. So we stood up this coalition, and let me tell you, it's not just the military. It's the Veterans Administration, for example. Uh, and and we every time there is an infringement on somebody's rights, uh, we are, again, we step into that, and uh, we rally Congress. We have uh, certain members of Congress that we know are going to back us. They're going to do what we ask them to do. Fundamentally, they are. And uh, and and we have uh, other members of the coalition that uh, we put out. Uh, we write letters to the Secretary of Defense. Uh, we go up and see the members of Congress and get them to uh, to take things before the the uh, House or Senate floor uh, on on some of these things. And uh, and we get uh, some of the pro bono law firms like First Liberty Institute engaged. Uh, to actually defend these uh, members, I mean, these uh, young uh, military members in court. And uh, we've, we've got a very good track record of having uh, won the majority of those cases that we've fought. And a lot of times it will be something like a, a Veterans Administration uh, facility will take down the um, Bible at the missing man table. And uh, we will go back and and just simply raise enough cane that uh, they are forced to put it back. So, General, uh, I do have to jump in here because we are out of time uh, for this segment. But I do want to thank you so much for your service to our country and to FRC. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, Coming up, we will continue this special edition of Washington Watch with a discussion with David Clausen, FRC's director of Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org slash worldview. Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. 
this campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I am your host, Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony Perkins today. And on this special New Year's edition of Washington Watch, we are having some one-on-ones with some of the key staff members here at FRC to look at what God has done over the past year through this organization and get a glimpse of what's on the horizon. Joining me now is David Clausen, who serves as the Director of Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview at FRC. David researches and writes on life, human sexuality, religious liberty, and related issues from a biblical worldview. And he's very good at it. He is the author of FRC's Biblical Worldview series, which seeks to help Christians and Christian leaders apply the teachings of the Bible to difficult moral questions. David is a graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and the University of Central Florida. Currently, David is completing a Ph.D. in Christian ethics at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. David? Welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thank you. It's great to be back on the show with you, Joseph. Well, it's great to have you as always. Now, I shared just a little bit about what you do at FRC, but uh, dig a little deeper. Tell us in your own words uh, what you do here, why you do it, why you care. Yeah, it's a a great question. I've been uh, just overjoyed with the the privilege of serving here at FRC for over two years now. here in our, our policy and government affairs uh, team uh, with Travis Weber, uh, and my role here on the team is really providing a, a biblical worldview uh, perspective to, to whatever the issue happens to be, uh, whether that's a, a life, religious uh, freedom, something to do with marriage and human sexuality. Uh, General was just on in the previous segment, and although you know we are engaged in the, the policy and uh, political kind of world, uh, we, we engage in those issues, but we 
we are distinctively Christian as, as we go about doing that. And that's kind of what I do is come at these issues through research, writing, and media, uh, offering a, a biblical Christian perspective really to whatever the issue happens to be in the news. And obviously this year uh, was an election year, so a lot of that had to do with uh, how should Christians think about uh, engaging politically. Uh, but that's really what I get to do here at FRC. Do you have a favorite issue that you like to think about, write about, talk about? Well, that's a great question. I, I think uh, this past year, helping Christians think through the responsibilities they have as citizens was something that uh, it's not, I've always uh, enjoyed thinking about that. I was a political science major at, the, at UCF uh, when, I, when I did my undergrad, and so I've always been fascinated with politics and the electoral process. And But then I did feel the Lord leading me to go to seminary right after college. So I, I went, went to seminary, and I feel like what I get to do here, Joseph, at FRC, is bringing those two worlds together, the, the world of ministry and the world of public policy. And so whatever those issues are, uh, where we're helping Christians think through the issues, uh, specifically their, their responsibilities as citizens and how they can honor the Lord uh, with the way they engage uh, with public policy, uh, I, I get really excited when I have the opportunity to do that. In your own life, as you have grown in your faith and, and you've studied and thought about ethics and, and culture and how that intersects with the Bible, is there, how have you changed? How have you grown? How has scripture kind of changed the way you've seen the world? Well, that's, that's a really good question, Joseph. And I think what I would say is when I first got into this, um, the, the space of politics and public policy, it was, I was working on a campaign. I volunteered and then worked for a campaign back in 2012. And I, I love doing that, but it was kind of exhausting. And, uh, you know, once I, uh, started growing in my faith, just realizing that although politics and public policy and elections are really important, and they are, ultimately what's most important is is uh, loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbors, and seeing politics not as an end-all, be-all, but as just one of the many means God's, God has given us uh, to, to serve Him and to serve our neighbors. And I think as I've, I've grown in that understanding, um, I've really been able to have a, a more biblical focus and perspective on things. I think that's an awesome testimony, an awesome story, and also an awesome reminder of keeping the main thing the main thing. And everything, there's so many things in life that are important, but if we get the hierarchy wrong, then we can get out of that balance and, and uh, prioritize the wrong things. And I think that's a great uh, uh, reminder and to the church, and that's part of your message. And, and one of the things that you have been part of of launching in our ministry to the church is frc.org slash church, which is unambiguously resources in a ministry to the church. Tell us a little bit uh, more about what you've done there and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, I think the work we did, uh, this, we launched frc.org slash church at the beginning of the pandemic. And Joseph, I'll just tell you, that was, I think, my favorite part of what I did this year in 2020 was coming alongside pastors who were facing unprecedented uh, circumstances and situations with the pandemic and helping them serve the members of their church as well as their broader communities. And I, I think, you know, we could, we don't have time right now to go through all the ways we saw pastors creatively and courageously serve 
uh, their communities and serve their members. Uh, and that was one thing here at FRC, being able to come alongside pastors, uh, help them think through the guidelines, help them think through the pandemic, help them think through issues of religious liberty. Uh, for me, this past year, that was probably a real joy, uh, my favorite thing that we did this year. Well, I hope people will continue to use that resource because we are not out of the woods on this. And FRC.org slash church continues to be available, continues to be updated, continues to provide great resources for those struggling to navigate uh, this situation. Very quickly, David, last question I have for you here. Give us a little preview. What are you excited about in 2021? Uh, What can we be looking forward to? I think we can really look forward to uh, FRC.org slash worldview is the website you and I just launched, Joseph, which is FRC's worldview resources. And I'm looking forward to growing that, uh, growing the work we do, whether that's through uh, videos, through um, small group curriculum, through pamphlets, really helping churches and Christians engage these issues that they face in their everyday life from a perspective deeply rooted in God's word. David Clausen, so thankful for your work here at FRC, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Joseph. Coming up, we'll continue this special New Year's edition of Washington Watch with Travis Weber, FRC's Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs. So don't go away. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. 
Welcome back to Washington Watch. I am your host, Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony Perkins on this special New Year's edition of Washington Watch. And we're having some one-on-ones with the key staff members here at FRC to look at what God has done in 2020 and what he will do in 2021. Joining me now is Travis Weber, the Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs at the Family Research Council. He is also my boss. Travis oversees policy development and engagement with federal and state government officials on issues related to life, family, and religious freedom. Travis also serves as the director of the Center for Religious Liberty, which coordinates FRC's domestic and international religious freedom policy and advocacy efforts. Before joining FRC, Travis practiced law in the areas of civil rights, criminal defense, and military law. He also served as a Navy pilot, which is probably the coolest thing about him, after graduating from the U.S. Naval Academy. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Which of those items are we talking about? Well, let's talk about you being a Navy pilot. Actually, we don't have time for that, though I would love to go into that. That will have to be a different segment. Um, but for the purposes of today and this year and, and what you're doing, you uh, described your background a little bit. Tell us in your own words what you do here and why you do it. Yeah, so as you said, we're looking to advocate on life, family, and freedom at the federal and state level. We're looking to explain the policy positions we hold on those issues and connect them to a biblical worldview. All this is very important work. And I think there's a lot to be thankful for this past year as we reflect on the previous year, look ahead to the new one. Um, there's so much to be thankful for, including the many allies and friends and leaders who stand up on our issues and stand uh, strong on them, speak out on them, advocate for them because they believe uh, in them. And, and among many other things, uh, you know, we couldn't do the work without them. We're thankful for them, uh, appreciate them, and looking forward to working with them as we head into the new year. Travis, what do you think the role of FRC is in the broader movement for faith, family, and freedom? We know that there are people in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill who are advocating, and then there's tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people throughout this, the country who also care. What is the role that FRC plays in policy and government affairs? Yeah, we want to be your eyes and ears here in Washington, D.C., represent your interest here. What are Christians believe about these issues? How should we think about them? And, uh, and, and make your voice heard in Washington and, of course, the state level, too, on all the issues we care about. Um, not only do we want to do that, but we want to help you uh, as the follower, as FRC's followers around the country, see how our issues are rooted in the Bible. And so, um, you know, this this is very important because we cannot do the work we do without supporters, without supporters making their voices heard. And we want to help them think through how to best do that. Um, I'm excited about the way ahead as we look at next year, the opportunities we have and the opportunities for our supporters to participate in our work. Of the issue areas that we work on, life, religious freedom, sexuality, and family structure, where do you see the greatest opportunity? Where do you feel like the most success happened in 2020? Yeah, you know, I would say um, we saw a lot of success with the courts. Uh, the courts, uh, you know, concern a number of issues. Among them, though, life, family, and freedom. Uh, obviously, we all know President Trump's achievements on these issues, but let's look most recently at the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. This is already having a, a monumental effect on religious freedom, coronavirus cases, dealing with the ability to worship and gather. It's going to continue to have other the impact on 
other constitutional rights, religious freedom questions, and um, issues we care about in the years ahead. I think, you know, the course is a tremendous area. Elsewhere, we're seeing advancements on questions of life and freedom, leaders standing up for them. Uh, there are opportunities, though, and challenges uh, in areas, mostly questions of family and sexuality. We have a lot of work cut out for us in the years ahead, but there are some bright spots in all these areas as well. Now, I agree with you that uh, the court system cannot be the source of our hope, but it is certainly helpful to think that there are some clear-thinking people on the courts around the country. Now, look forward to us, uh, with us a little bit, to 2021. What are, you, what are you optimistic about? What are you maybe concerned about that we need to be keeping in prayer and uh, in, in the front of our minds? Sure, Joseph. So I would say, you know, let's start with concern. The, the issue I just mentioned, human sexuality and family, I think we uh, have a lot of work to do in terms of people understanding the importance of these issues to a flourishing society, to why they should care about them, how to engage and think about them. And that's work we're, we're getting ready to do. We are equipped to do in some ways and working to better do the work and helping people think through and understand these questions and engage on them. I think uh, I'm very hopeful on the life issue. We look at uh, the new makeup of the House going into this year, uh, a number of new pro-life members, including incredible number of new pro-life women uh, who are going to be ready to show up and uh, do some great work moving the pro-life issue down the field in terms of uh, elevating it, introducing good legislation, hopefully trying to see some good provisions passed and uh, uh, see that issue driven forward, especially, uh, you know, I also mentioned at the state level, a number of opportunities for us to do this around the country, different state legislatures on the life issue and other issues. So uh, certainly some areas of hope, but um, some challenges we're going to be ready to, to take on as well. Travis, I got one question. You don't have a lot of time to answer it, but in hard days, what keeps you going? You know, I would say ultimately um, the, the very mission that binds us all together here at FRC, we're here because of our faith. We're bound together by our faith in doing what we do. Ultimately, we're doing this as a calling from God, regardless of the results. We're going to stand here and testify to the truths that uh, God has laid before us and share those truths with uh, our fellow human beings for the flourishing of society, the benefit of all humanity. Amen and amen. Travis Weber, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you. it very much. Coming up, we'll have a conversation with Brent Kylan from FRC Action. We'll talk about the political work of FRC. Stay tuned. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold.
Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Washington Watch, Joseph Backle, sitting in for Tony Perkins today. And on this special program, we continue to be thankful for and review the year that has been in 2020 with various um, people who make the critical work of FRC possible. And now we are going to talk about FRC action with Brent Kylan, who is the VP of FRC Action. He oversees Action's voter education, grassroots mobilization projects, as well as political efforts of FRC Action PAC and the Faith, Family, and Freedom Fund. Brent spent over four years in the Michigan State Legislature as a legislative aide and policy director where he managed constituent services and the drafting and advancement of legislation. He also worked with the Republican National Committee during George W. Bush's presidential race in 2000 has assisted with numerous gubernatorial, congressional, state legislative, and ballot initiative campaigns. He is a guru of these things, of course, which is why he is who he is. Brent Kylan, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Joseph. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to have you. And, and as we, we are reflecting on, in this program just on on what the year has been, and there's been a lot of tough things we all know. There's been some great things we all know. Um, for you, what are you most thankful for when you look back on 2020 and think about what FRC Action has been able to do? 
That's such a good question, Joseph. And, uh, you know, even given the context of this year, just such an unusual year for all of us, definitely an unusual year for um, FRC action. But I think w- one of the things when I, I look back on this year and even um, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to do for my job that, that I really love is um, getting to see some of the uh, some of the really good people involved in this process. When we when we talk about uh, politics, you know, often it's kind of a, a, a dirty word. We, we need to avoid that, you know, things like that. But um, there, there are obviously issues and, 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 and work that needs to be done. But from my seat on the bus, uh, I, I, I have the advantage of being able to interact with a lot of the, the good leaders, the good grassroots leaders, the good elected leaders, people who really are uh, fighting for our issues. And these are, you know, people that don't always make the headlines. These are people that a lot of times um, uh, people like us don't even know they're there. Um, and uh, people we try to bring more attention to. But I, I think if I had to uh, pinpoint just one thing, I would say I'm, I'm encouraged when I get to work with people like that, people who really are fighting for the issues uh, that that we care about and really standing for the, the truth and the values that uh, that are so dear to, to all of us. And Brent, that's a really good point, and I think it's a great thing, a great way to start this conversation off. Um, it, because not only are there people who are fighting for the right things, there's a lot of people who are doing it in the right way, aren't there? Because I think a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the criticism that comes from you know conservative or Christian political involvement is the is the is the suggestion, kind of the stereotype that everybody's nasty and everybody's calling names, but that's not true at all, is it? It's it's not Joseph. It's not that that's definitely uh, there. You know, not not going to deny that at all. But um, if you if you uh, peel back the curtain and look at some of these people, members of Congress, you know, members of state legislatures, uh, local leaders, there are a lot of people that are like you said. I mean, they're they're doing the right thing, but they're also doing it the right way. And and frankly, sometimes that sometimes that's why it doesn't get as much attention because it's not as interesting to the media, but uh, but definitely some very principled um, principled people um, in this process, which is which I think is encouraging for all of us to to, to be aware of. It is, and I think it's one thing that encourages me because I've I share your perspective on that. I also have worked in the legislature, and and when you see the good people who are there, who are laboring, and it is truly labor and work. Is if you're not doing it for yourself, mm-hmm. it's painful uh, a lot of days, mm-hmm. and that's one reason why they need us. When you're sitting in that seat in 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 Congress or in a state legislature, you are so used to hearing criticism and complaints, and virtually every person. Who comes to meet with you is asking you for something or complaining about something. It's really important, in my opinion, uh, that they also hear from people who just want to say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifices on behalf of your whole family um, and, and the abuse that you take to be there in order to vote the right way when the opportunity comes. That's pretty important, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And uh, I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head, Joseph. Um, it, it is pretty rare in these positions to to have somebody actually approach you and say, 
thank you for what you did. Um, the, the problems get a lot more uh, attention, and obviously the, the media is typically trying to focus on something that uh, is uh, controversial or, or something like that. Um, and, uh, and so to have somebody who's paying enough attention to know, you know, when, uh, when their legislator, when their leader did the right thing, um, and actually then acknowledge that, not just talking to them about the problems, but also the solutions and the good thing. I, I know from firsthand experience with my former job and then also other people I've talked to, that goes a long way. It really does just because it is, uh, it is very rare to get that. It means, uh, thing, it means a lot to the, the legislators themselves and also to the staff who are, who are working behind the scenes and, uh, and don't get uh, a lot of acknowledgement as well. And, um, the, the way I look at it is really, um, there, there are kind of two, two parts of this that that FRC action really tries to get involved in um, the, there's kind of a, a election in in democracy and of course elections are a part of democracy but but a, an election is really an event and a de- democracy is more of a process and our goal at FRC action is really to give people the tools to get involved with both of those a lot of people will show up for that one-time event you know that election and uh, obviously so much money so much attention goes into the elections, they are incredibly important, but then they don't stick around for the process, that uh, that longer process, you know, a, a day in and out, kind of a, a lifestyle thing, staying involved, making sure you're, you're uh, aware of what your legislators are doing, what's going on um, with the issues. And so that's, that's really kind of our goal at FRC Action is making sure you're involved with that election, but also giving you the tools so you're also able to stay involved after that and, and be involved with the, the, the process of democracy as well. Yeah, Brent, tell us what happens. What, what are the consequences? What's the result of people who disengage after they vote and aren't involved in the process? Why is it so important for people to be engaged? Boy, such a good question. And, um, and in so many things that this, uh, this impacts, but I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you one example that I, I like to, to point out that's really a, a good example, a very positive example. But if you look at the, uh, the legislation, right? Like it's one thing to have the, uh, the, the, the good leaders there, but they also need to hear from you, um, along the way, you know, because there are so many issues they are facing i mean there are literally uh, whether it's at the federal level or the state level you are facing thousands of pieces of introduced legislation every year and and those leaders even um good leaders need to be hearing from you on on where you stand on some of these important pieces of legislation or maybe there's one there that really isn't on the radar and that you can flag for them say hey this is important and so the these pieces of of legislation affect so many areas of our lives, uh, you know, whether it's uh, building codes to um, issues like the sanctity of life and religious liberty, uh, you know, our speed limits, they, they just affect everything. And so they have so much of a, a impact on our daily lives. The, the one example, though, that I like to point out to people here is also that that laws really do make uh, a difference. And sometimes um, we, we uh, get so wrapped up in what we're hearing from the media about the political process 
this. Um, we don't uh, we don't get to hear about some of the positive things that happen when we weigh in when our legislators do pass those laws that we sent them to uh, to pass things they that we sent them to get done. Um, and and if you look at the Hyde Amendment, that's my example here. Um, they have they they have done an analysis of the Hyde Amendment, which is a, a federal law. It's been around for decades now, and uh, it, it basically says we will not use that taxpayer funding to support abortion. That's what the Hyde Amendment does. And uh, they did an analysis a year or two ago to say, what was the impact or was there any impact of our legislators putting into law the, the, the Hyde Amendment? And they are estimating, Joseph, that that one bill, that one amendment since it's been around, has saved an estimated 2 million babies too many unborn babies because uh, when the funding goes down, the um, you know the demand for the, the that service uh, goes down. You know the the, the, um, the uh, yeah, and so if you look at that, I mean, like I said, just one piece of legislation. Not every piece of legislation is going to do that, but saving you know uh, up to two million uh, unborn babies. I'm like that is a tangible impact, and just one example of the impact we can have when when we're all involved. That, that's really encouraging, and I know that that is a big part of your job with FRC Action is getting people engaged. And I also think and, and know that there are tools that, that you have at your disposal that you try to make available to people to make it easier to be engaged. What are some of the things that FRC Action has that you wish um, more people took advantage of or more people knew about so that they could Im- increase their their impact on what happens in policy? Thank you for the question. We do have um, we do have uh, several of those that I want to make sure everybody is aware of, and uh, we do we do try to make sure that all of these are um, on uh, uh, on our website frcaction.org. And uh, a, a few of the ones that I really want to highlight is um, we have our FRC Action Scorecard. This is at the federal level, so this is uh, where our government affairs team watches all the bills that are coming through Congress in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, and then is uh, saying, how do these measure up to uh, faith, family, and freedom, the the values we have? Do they impact religious freedom? Do they impact family values? Do they impact the unborn? Things like this, and then scoring those. And uh, so you can see how your member, whether it's a House member or Senate member, uh, scored on these votes. So you can find that, uh, again, frcaction.org. Just look for the the legislative scorecard. But then that gives you a tool to then be able to weigh in with your legislative whether that's calling, emailing, maybe going to like a local town hall or, um, you know, uh, some district hours or something like that and being able to ask them, either ask them why they voted the wrong way or thank them for that vote. Um, we also have uh, a, a way to contact your legislators, making that uh, making that very accessible uh, um, right there on the website. So if you just uh, find that contact your legislators tool, you, you type in your address, it will bring up your legislators for you, making it easier to to uh, to access that way, and then we also have um, some voting tools that that uh, we have um, we have our party platform comparison, which is up year round because uh, we know that's um, that's relevant year round because the parties, uh, according to studies 
vote with their party platform about 80% of the time. So it's important to know where the, 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 the parties stand on these issues. You can find that. And then also we do voter guides. Obviously, those are more relevant during the, uh, the voter season. But uh, during election season, we try to make sure that our, our constituents have voter guides to know where the candidates stand on the issue so that they're electing the right, the, the right people. That's a great point. And, and, but, Brent, we know that because 2020 is a strange year in all ways, uh, though the election happened in November, the political work is not necessarily done, is it? And there's there's some things going on in Georgia that are that, that matter a lot. And in a few days here, we're going to have an election um, that's going to determine the balance of power in the Senate. Talk to us about what you're doing in Georgia and why that's so important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we are really moving, uh, uh, all the efforts that we can, all the energy that we can to, uh, to Georgia because of the, uh, the two U.S. Senate runoffs there. Um, this is really an unprecedented election. Um, not only in the sense that there are two U.S. Senate runoffs in the same state at the same time because of the, uh, the, the special election that happened in Georgia. Typically, you know, you only get one U.S. Senate seat on the ballot in any given time. So to have two on the ballot and two go to runoff, but then we also have control for the U.S. Senate on the line going to be determined by these races, which is uh, which is just, you know, it, it's hard to overstate the importance of control of the U.S. Senate with everything they do from legislation to the confirmation of judges and so much more. So um, just incredibly important. Um, we uh, we earlier in December had a couple of events. We had um, a, a rally at Truett McConnell University with some great speakers talking about this. We had a, a pastor uh, briefing, making sure that they understood where the candidates uh, were at on these issues and also giving information. You know, we have voter guides that really go down the list on some very key issues that that we shared there so they can take these and hand them out to friends or their congregations or things like that and then also working with some other groups on the ground um there um a lot of a lot of groups in georgia obviously because of the the magnitude of the uh the impact of these elections so we're working with a number of them groups like generation joshua to contact voters specifically we want to make sure that voters who you know are are, are with us on the issues that maybe have not been given the uh, the information on where exactly the candidates stand on our issues. We are we are uh, identifying them, and then we are going to be going out and contacting them, uh, knocking on their doors, giving them voter guides, and also trying to uh, get a hold of them with um, with get out to vote phone calls as well to make sure that um, that all of our people are are getting out and, and voting in the runoff. Brent Kylan, VP of FRC Action. Thank you so much for what you're doing in Georgia and around the country all year long. It matters so much to me personally, to our audience, and to everybody who cares about faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for what you do. And also, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Joseph. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Brenton. And folks, I hope that this has been encouraging to you, that you see what you are doing together in partnership with FRC, that it encourages you and blesses you. Continue to breathe in prayer. We need it, and we need you. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. 
Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 